0: I got one question for you. Tiger Woods is going to be up there, and I think it's fantastic he's going to be up there in a part of this, but will he be a distraction? Yeah. I don't get that. Now, I, I think Tiger being there could be fantastic, but I yeah. hope he doesn't give a press conference. I want to know when Phil Mickelson asked Tiger Woods to go get him a Diet Coke, does he go get him a Diet Coke?
1: <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. I'm your host, Sean Zach. And we're still talking Ryder Cup over here. Today we're going to do so with a former Ryder Cupper himself, both as a player and as a captain. His name is Curtis Strange, back-to-back U.S. Open champion, five-time Ryder Cupper, former captain himself, Hall of Famer. Today he works as an analyst and an on-course reporter for Fox Sports. All that means is he knows how to talk golf. We'll talk with him in just a few moments. We taped it late last week. By we, I mean myself and colleague Jeff Ritter, who is no stranger to the podcast himself. Jeff covered the 2014 Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles. That was a European beatdown on the Americans, if you recall. Jeff also set in on that infamous USA press conference that followed, with barbs being traded between Phil Mickelson and then-captain Tom Watson. Jeff, is there any chance we see another legendary press conference this year?
2: Boy, uh, in the media you can dream, right? That's uh, you love to see conflict or drama or things to write about and describe. And that that press conference was so surreal. I, I this week some new new photos from that that I hadn't seen before surfaced. Just focusing on Hunter Mahan of all people, he was sitting next to Phil Mickelson as Mickelson t- is teeing off on Tom Watson, his captain, <laughs> and just the expressions on Mahan's face—you just feel the awkwardness and the tension. Uh, It was such a a strange time. I mean, definitely, emotions were just raw at the end of that. And you know, the Ryder Cup hasn't gotten any smaller. It's not any less important. In fact, I I would argue that pressure's ratcheted up on the U.S. this time. So if if this doesn't work out, if they don't win this Ryder Cup, I mean, I don't know if I don't expect guys to air it out on Sunday night in front of an open microphone again, but... Uh, I expect things to be very raw on one side or the other. If the U.S. loses, where would they even go? You yeah. know, after after assembling a task force and doing all these different things to try to win at this time, and if Europe were to fall short, these guys haven't lost one in eight years. How will they take it? So uh, I don't know if we'll see another. I guess was you say legendary press conference, but I would expect you know this is going to be this competition's bigger than ever. Yeah, and the aftermath will be. Uh, every bit as fascinating as as it was last time, one in one shape or form. Certainly,
1: now the U.S. has lost three Ryder Cups in a row. Yeah, I think each moment or each year that it goes by, as you said, the pressure kind of amps up on the the American team, which is always essentially essentially they're always favored. They're always not the underdog. The Europeans come across as the underdog, and that's even more so this year with six rookies on the team, which is a pretty incredible number. And you know Big what number. they'll probably all make every putt they take on Saturday <laughs> afternoon, but that that will be that remains to be seen. I just know that everything that we've talked about between the captain's pick on Sunday night football, between the three captain's picks a couple weeks prior, the process of everything that we've gotten to to this point, each step of the way, it adds a little bit of pressure. And I felt like it was supposed to be depressurizing we were supposed to have this process to take pressure off of davis love i think it's just amped up it'll be interesting to see how he pairs guys i'm really interested to see how he pairs like dustin johnson how he pairs phil mickelson you know phil has hasn't been playing that great of golf recently he had his great his great experience at Troon against henrik stenson but has phil done anything other than that recently to like stand yeah. out in front of your eyes
2: Love has so much information in front of him too to make these pairings. I mean, he's got, uh, you know, he's got his team. He's got, a, he's had practice rounds. He's seen how guys gel with each other. He has his stati- statisticians, the guy, the numbers guys, telling him how you know a long driver could pair with a great putter or whatever it is. However, this data is being broken down before him. He has more information. I think it's safe to say than any U.S. captain in the history of the Ryder Cup. How's he going to use it? Yeah, I can't wait to talk to another former captain to get his thoughts on, on how uh, you know, yeah yeah how love is gonna deal with this, and I have a feeling Curtis will have a few of his own Ryder Cup memories as well.
1: Yeah, he shared up with us on Friday. Uh, they're pretty. He had some strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curtis was a captain back in The um, U.S. lost to Europe then, uh, but his captaincy very much different than Davis Love's both in 2012 and now in 2016. So uh, without any further ado, I think we could probably go to Curtis. Jeff, take it away.
2: On the road, finishing up a little getaway trip from Florida on his way back to his home in, in North Carolina. Curtis, how are you and, and where exactly are you now on the highway?
0: <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, let me see what exit I'm just passing, but uh, I'm driving back from Naples to Carolina. We went down to fish a little military term. We took 160 military personnel fishing this past Saturday, had a ball. Going back home and home for a day, then up to the Ryder Cup. Imagine oh. that. All right, imagine that. What uh,
2: what is your role in Hazeltine? Are you are you there? Are you spectating? Are you consulting with the team? Do you have it? Do you have any kind of official capacity with with this group?
0: No, not at all. They just invite all the former captains to come up and enjoy the festivities. And uh, I'm doing that. Sarah and I do that. We we actually went to Scotland. A year and a half ago, but mm-hmm. um, we don't go to everyone. but if it's convenient for work to schedule, this one worked out and, uh, you know, go up there, just watch, watch golf, support the, support the guys and uh, uh, just, en- and just en- enjoy the, uh, the event. So you played in five of these
2: as a competitor and you captained one. What does this event mean to you?
0: It's just a great event. It's, it's, the, it's the best event in golf. Now, I'm not talking about championships. But as far as event and golf, it's fantastic. The, the viewers love it, fans, the players, everybody.
2: You had you had your share personally of ups and downs um, as a as a competitor. Of course, it's tough a tough way to finish your playing career in 1995, going against Faldo. But you had some great experiences, obviously as well. When you think back, where does your mind go? Do you do you do you still? Think about those old matches or those the disappointments, or is it has it been replaced? Has enough time passed where you think about you know the weeks, uh, the good
0: weeks and the and the, the wins? I always think about just the the weeks themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can dissect and look at matches. My record wasn't as good as I would have hoped. Uh, they had some very good players as well, and um, you know I didn't do well in '95, and you know I I, I was sorely disappointed because. I was a captain's pick and I feel like I let my captain down as well as the team, but you know, you, you play your heart out, you know, you, you do the best you can and, and uh, that's why we like to watch match play. It's exciting. There's a winner and loser. Every match, uh, you can let your emotions run freely as long as it doesn't affect your play. And, uh, and I think the viewers like that as well. So, uh, but overall, you know, win, lose, or draw, I love the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get many weeks like that in golf as a part of a team and, you you uh, really do gel together. You get to know guys you haven't really known that well over the years. Their wives, maybe their girlfriends. So it really is a special week, not only playing golf but behind the scenes as well.
2: You mentioned in '95 the, the the fact that you were a captain's pick. Does that change? Your, was it different playing this event as a captain's pick than you did earlier in the 1980s when you just qualified for the team on points?
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's only human nature to think that there's a little more pressure. You want to, you know, justify your existence. Uh, you want to justify the the captain picking you. And uh, because, actuality you didn't make it. Uh, you didn't make the top eight or ten or whatever it might have been automatically. And uh, I think there is a little more pressure. Um, and so, you know, we're used to that. Uh, golf is a game of adjustments. And, you know, you, you adjust to that. But uh,
2: personally, there was a little more. Yeah. So obviously, 95 was a disappointment for you. But what is what is your all time favorite memory from your time as a player in this event? You see, you've spent through a lot of wars in this in this uh, event. What's your favorite
0: memory? Do you have one? That jumps you know, out? I from 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 a from a playing standpoint, I was in 1989, I was picked to play last in the last some on sunday and i and i took that as a as a compliment somebody who if it came close and down the stretch you could you could handle the pressure mm-hmm. and i was two down i was two down four to go against Ian Woosom, and i buried the last four to to win the match which which had the cup now they retained the cup because they had the cup but we right. still have the match and you know it was it was it was it was exciting to be able to come back and and being a being, uh, them, and, and, you know, having the match, it's almost like kissing your sister, but it's better than losing. So, uh, it's, it's, so uh, it was exciting to be a part of that. But I got to tell you, each match, is, each match is so tough and so competitive. And, yes, there's gamesmanship. Yes, there's little things going on. But I think that's some of the beauty of match play. Um, so uh,
2: I, I enjoyed everything about it. What's your, what's your uh, favorite example of gamesmanship? Either some, either maybe a trick you used to pull or, or somebody maybe tried to pull
0: over on you. You know, you might have done a little bit of that back in amateur golf, but you know, I took it as, you know, we're all adults here, this is a wonderful event, I'm not going to start anything, so mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I didn't do anything, you know, play fast, play slow you know, rattle, ask stupid questions, halt your player, whatever it might be. Am I a away? Ask stupid questions <laughs> is what it comes down to. And you know exactly what the guy's doing. Uh-huh. And it happens. And you want to, you want to look him right in the eye, which sometimes you do and say, really pal, you know, we're adults here, but you know, there was a couple of guys that you went up that, that like to annoy or aggravate and try to do something to uh, throw you off. And, uh yeah, it's just—it's all part of the game. It's—it's, it's, uh, you know. Yeah. It, it was—it was actually, you know, there's some funny times that you remember that you look back on now that weren't so funny at the time, but it was—it was good stuff.
2: This 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 guy that used to uh, ask you questions about who's away or not away. You don't have to name names, but you could just cough once if it's Sevy. How's that? We could just we could just do it. Uh, well, so you, don't have to you name know, that anybody. guy.
0: That guy <laughs> did. That did always. That guy always in the end of September or October every other year got a terrible cough. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to mention any names. Uh-huh. Um, but you know he could back it up. You gotta you gotta admire somebody. He could back it up. He he throbbed off that that uh, you know bit of uh, uh, aggravation. And you just had to forget about it. I'll never forget when Azinger was going to play Seve in the last, well, not the last match, but on Sunday at the Belfry, and I forget what year it was. But I took Azinger's side, and I said, do not, do not let him get under your skin. Mm-hmm. You don't look at him all day long. You don't say a word to him. And if he comes at you, you go the other way. And uh, they had a great match. But it was, you know, you just, he was a, Azinger was a rookie. You just had to let him know that there was something going to happen out there on the golf course today. Yeah. Did you? You were known as a as a very,
2: uh, I would say fair to say, an intense competitor. Were did you play better when you were mad? Was I mean, if something if Seve did something like that to you and it did get under your skin? Did you play better angry, or or was it something else? Would it, what what would be like your, you know, your ideal state of mind when something like that happens when you're in that pressure? Well,
0: you got to, yeah. Your, your state of mind is a little bit different in, in match play in the Ryder Cup than it is every other day of of stroke play golf. And I, I and I really kind of had two different attitudes. I, I, I was, an, I got upset at myself because Seve annoyed me at times with that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I got upset at myself because I let him get to me mm-hmm. and I thought it was above that. And I wasn't. And so, but in a regular, regular day, everyday play, you know, I played with some intensity and, but you know, I didn't, things didn't bother me then. So, uh, it was just the match play and Ryder Cup is such a different animal. Everything is out of the norm: your schedule, the playing, the match play, the schedule. So you do have to adjust in many ways during the week. Yeah. And one of those adjustments is playing. You know.
2: Yeah. It just seems like there's a different. It hits guys differently. I think about now uh, sure. for the U.S. An example would be maybe Patrick Reed, who's only played in one Ryder Cup, but it seemed to me that he really got. Uh, he was in the moment, but also not afraid to mix it up. You know, he shushes the crowd, clearly gets, you know, fired up. I don't know if anger is the right word, but he's fired up. And for him, it worked. It it seemed to energize him, and he he had a great week. But I guess from what you're saying, it doesn't necessarily work for everybody to play in that state of mind where you're – Well, you
0: have to – you know, you have to be a – got to be able to handle the situation and, and match play without letting it get too personal. And, you know, I want 12 Patrick Reeds on my team. Uh, not only is a wonderful player, but you know be kind of not afraid to mix it up. Uh, on the other hand, you don't want a steady diet of that. Um, yeah. But I want guys that can handle the pressure and handle the match play pressure, and he seems like one that can do it. Now you say getting fired up, you don't want to get too much out of the norm, because getting too excited, too emotional, too fired up doesn't do your game any good either. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but he's you know he's a he's handled adversity. And as they all have, but uh, once again, the, the Ryder Cup is such a different animal and we just don't ever play it in professional golf. So when you do have to go play in the Ryder Cup, it is different. It's still golf, but it's still different. Yeah. You say that you
2: try not to make it personal, but I can't help but wonder, you know, you came through the Ryder Cup at a time where all of a sudden it really became a rivalry. You know, in the late 80s, Europe started winning this thing. And it, it does seem, at least from the outside, from from my perspective, that's where it seemed to get personal, and it, it almost fostered what we what it's evolved into today. Yeah, that's, there's
0: a couple of comments I want to make there. That you know, that's when they started to when they when they in, in, uh, included Europe mm-hmm. with GBNI in '79. Uh, obviously, they're going to be a better team. They got more to pick from, but the leader on that team was Seve. He was the inspiration, uh, incredible leader, uh, inspired all the other players to do beyond what they thought possible. Uh, Tony Jacklin was the captain and Tony Jacklin was brilliant in handling all these different personalities. Mm-hmm. Severiano Ballesteros was the leader. Yeah. Um, and along with Seve, you had Nick Sandy Bernhard and Ian Woosnam. They had a nucleus of five players that was tremendously talented. And that's why they became so good. Seems like overnight, um, you know. And then once you get a taste of of coming close in '83 at Palm Beach, they we won by a point or something. Now they smell blood, and they won, and they've been winning ever since. And you know, they you got to remember they. I really think they have more to prove. Uh, they're playing the big bad USA. Back in the day, it was personal because uh, they haven't won but very few times. Mm-hmm. And there was some confrontational matches. Uh, but that's but that makes for good good competition. That makes for yeah. good TV. And it might not be fun and it might not be under the heading of grand sportsmanship or Samuel Ryder, what he in, intended for the matches, but it's still good competition. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. And when you have some animosity back and forth between individuals, it's it's good stuff. It's what fires you up. That's what gets you ready to play. Yeah. And you know, we all weren't best friends. I think we're better friends. Much more, uh, uh, you know, the the camaraderie is much better now than it was. But it still makes for good hard competition. And don't cross the line of either gamesmanship or you know trying to do something to win the match because or don't say something stupid before the matches. Just keep your mouth shut and play the game. Uh, some people, some players, listen better than others. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But you know, it's 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 why we love it. It's it's everything about it.
2: Before I want to get into your time as a captain, but before we move there, do you have one favorite Sevi story? You mentioned he was the emotional center of the team, and and you yeah. caught him really at the height of his
0: powers. Do you have one? You know, Sevi was Sevi. Uh, I got along with him. Uh, you got to remember Seve going back, he didn't seem like at times he liked any American simply because he was fighting with Beam and our commissioner at the time, to even get any kind of access on the American tour. Mm. And the American tour needed Seve, not that to go make or break it, but we Seve was the number one or two player in the world and with a hell of a name, and we wanted Seve to play, and uh, he didn't have much access. So he had an axe to grind with a, with a lot of people rightly or wrongly. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of really good matches with him that, you know, things happen that, you know, you stare each other down, you you know, you, you make a – he pitches in on you and he stares at you going off or you might have a word or two out on the golf course. But at the end of the day, you shake hands and, and you go about your business. Uh, you knew it was in hand when you picked – when you had to play Nick or Seve. Uh, you knew you were going to have a challenge there. Uh, tough competitors, great players. And also um, you know, I wanted, wanted to win very badly.
2: Yeah. I, I feel like those were the rider Cups that really forged uh, what it's become today, that, it, that intensity. Absolutely. It's, it, yeah. it all. You could yeah. trace a straight line from those rider Cups to where we are today. Um, I also want to ask you about your time as a captain. Uh, last week we had Mike, Mike Tarico, buddy of yours, on the podcast. and we asked him if he would have a question for you about your captaincy. And uh, he had a funny response. He said, uh, ask Curtis how long he spent writing his speech for that opening ceremony. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently it ran a little long. And uh, Tarico, in good humor, said, ask Curtis how long he spent writing that thing. I, think, I believe you know, the words use, he used, he said
0: it was th- like a pregnancy, I, I believe is what he said. I'll, take, I'll tell you exactly what he said. You know, he was so supportive. And we were, we were in the middle of eight straight years of ABC golf and, Mike Tarenko is a dear, dear friend and somebody I lean on uh, for possibly writing a speech or good, sound, level-headed advice. Uh, that speech, he did not help me on. Julius Mason, our dear friend of the PG of America, basically mm-hmm. wrote it, sent it to me, and I rewrote some, some bits and pieces. And it, it was it was long, but you know it, it wasn't too long. The point of it is I got so busy that week and running around – I'd actually forgot about preparing a little bit, and read it in my room in front of the mirror like we all do. Sure. And I got the, the first time I actually read the thing through, standing up in front of the mirror, was up on stage at the opening ceremony, and because of that, <laughs> I was I was so damn nervous, and I knew I hadn't prepared, and I botched a few things, but everything went fine. Trust me. But he looked at me. Toriko looks at me two weeks later and says. How many times did you prepare for writing uh, reading that speech? And I said none. He said, <laughs> "I figured." <laughs> <laughs> How many times did you end up and,
2: thinking thanking Julius Mason in that speech? I got to go back and find a oh, tape Oh <laughs> my
0: gosh, Julius! Julius is the best. Now I'll tell you what yeah. I did at the closing ceremony. Julius wrote me a speech, and I said, "I'm not reading any speech here. I'm I want to come from the heart." I said, "Write me two or three bullet points," and I spoke and. I can't tell you how much better that speech was over the, the opening speech. But, uh, you know, you get up on stage after planning for three years, three in my case because of 9-11. Mm-hmm. You captain 12 of the greatest guys. They're like family the rest of my life. Um, in fact, two of them still call me captain, which they have no idea how much I appreciate that. And you get up there and you speak for the heart. And you speak to the fans out there. And you speak to your opposing captain of the team. And then you speak to your team. Which I didn't do because I couldn't have gotten through it, and um, it's it's a it's a very from a captain's standpoint it's it's the end of a long haul a haul that uh, that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed every minute of. That's nice that a couple who calls
2: you captain still. I'm just curious. That's really that's really uh, I'm cool. Not once a saying, cap, I'm once not a saying I'm not saying a or All right, all right. Fair, fair I enough. guess
0: just like the caddy thing. <laughs> all
2: right. When you, uh, so Davis Love right now is obviously grinding through, uh, options and ideas for pairings when it was your turn to do all this in 2002, how did you set up pairings for that first round? How did you, how did you group guys together? What was that process like?
0: Well, I'll tell you, you know, you know, the players, uh, in my case, I was still playing, uh, on the tour and seeing the guys a lot. We were doing 18 events for ABC. Um, I knew them personally played, they were my colleagues. So Mm -hmm. the first day I went home after being named captain, I put a, I put a little marker board on my office wall and I put down, uh, the names that if they made the team who they would play with. And you know, the first round match was not far off that initial reaction. No, because you know, the players, you know the personalities, you know the balls they play, you know how they play, and, and depending on if it's forces or four ball, I didn't vary much uh, because I'd done it, and I knew these guys. Now, I talked to them over the course of a year or so, you know, their mm-hmm. likes and dislikes, but I didn't ask them a lot of questions. I, I didn't, I didn't want to know who they liked and disliked. I didn't want to know what they liked for breakfast. They, we're big boys here. We'll play the matches over in England was bring your game, get ready like a major, and let's play golf. I treated them like adults. I didn't have to babysit them, and, and, I, and I thought the same way with pairings. And, you know, they did pretty well. We were even after two days all square going to the singles, and, and historically that's been a good position for us to be in.
2: If you're if you're playing in England it doesn't matter doesn't matter what they like for breakfast it, breakfast in England is pretty rough anyway from what I what I found the uh, well, Scottish breakfast we, we won't go
0: there <laughs> yeah, it's we fine. won't go there
2: so you did you did most of your pairings a lot of this it sounds like really was by feel you know you had you had an instinct at the beginning you put you put some pairings together I'm sure you adjusted as you went but it sounds like uh, some of this was done by gut now I can't help a contrast well that. it is
0: yeah, it is. I mean, it's done by feel based on knowledge. Yeah. Now, Tom Kite, six months before, he said, you know, I got all these stats and figures. You may fax them to you. I said, don't waste my fax paper, simply because I don't want to hear how many fairways this guy hits. I don't want to know how many matches he's won in four ball of foursomes. It depends on who you're playing with. And so uh, I, I didn't want to know that. I do. I guess it would be by, it would be by feel, yes. But once the matches start and you're doing well or not so well, it's all about feel and adjustment then. Yeah. And so that's the way I went about it. And I, you know, I I would do it the same way tomorrow. So now I, I, I
2: can't resist the contrast that we have from, from your captaincy to what Davis love appears to be implementing this time around. He's, uh, hired a, a consulting group, a team of quantitative analysts. They call themselves Quants for short. I'd never heard that word until a few weeks ago. So he's got these number crunchers. We've got a task force. We have all of this data. Is it is this is this the right move to make, or is it possible the U.S. is overthinking it and maybe just putting even more pressure on themselves than they need to have?
0: All I can say is a damn well better win after all this crap. You know. I I think it's uh, overdone. And and I love the PGA of America. They're my organization as a, as a, my dad was a club professional. Julius Mason, uh, Carrie Haig, Susan Martin, they're all dear, dear friends. Um, But I got to tell you, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it comes down to you better want it because they want it a lot. And it comes about hearts and guts. It doesn't come about, you know, you got 12 guys. You've got to sit four guys down. If there's one thing I want to change in the Ryder Cup, that's play at least 10 players every match, not sit down four and only play eight. Mm. The guys are world-class players. They want to come and play. But all the statistics and all this stuff that they're uh, all they're doing uh, is not for me. I know who to put Tiger Woods with. I know to who to put Davis Love. Well, after the first day, Tiger Woods lost two matches, and I went to Tiger and I said. You know that Friday night, I said, Tiger, who do you want to play with? You have to win for us. He said, Put me with Davis. Mm-hmm. I put him with Davis, and went two and zero the next day. Um, I, you know, it's just, it's just that's the, that's the what happens as we get into the matches about feel and adjustment. But uh, I didn't know Davis was this type of analytical, you know, and and wanted all this brain trust. I had one assistant. That was Mike Holbert, who was kind of like everybody's best friend. I didn't want four or five assistants. I wanted this to be my team. I wanted to make the decisions after consulting with the players. Now, I asked every player everything I asked of other players. I didn't listen to a lot of them, but I had to include them, which is what Azinger was talking about. I asked every player you know, different things about the matches, uh, but I was going to be the final decision maker. If I had three or four or five assistants – I think all they would do would confuse the hell out of me mm. because then you become, you have way too many chiefs in the room and, 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 and not enough a chief and sergeants. And that's the way I looked at it. Now people might say you're crazy. You're an egomaniac, whatever they do in the blogosphere that criticized me, but that's the way I wanted to go about it. And don't think that's not the way Raymond Floyd, Jack Nicholas, Lee Trevino, they all went about it as well. I just don't think it's that complicated. I think you could throw up balls and pair the guys, the two closest together over there, over here, over there. Uh, Now you do match personalities a little bit, but instead of personalities, I wanted to match games for the particular format we were playing. I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but I wanted to match games for the best ball. I wanted, there's two ways of thought there. You want two big hitters together, or you want a straight hitter and a big hitter. I think it depends on the individuals, Um, foursomes, and the alternate shot, uh, you certainly want two guys to put it in play, but don't you want that in every match? You want two guys to put it in play? Uh, I, I just, I just uh, think you can overdo and overthink everything. And yeah. bottom line is you just got to make a few putts and, and play hard and, and really deeply want it because it's a tough, tough, tough competition to win because you're only playing eight players out of 12 every
2: match. You have obviously you feel strongly about the way the direction this team's taking. I'm just curious: were you were you approached at all to be a part of the task force, or consulted later by Love on on how all of all of these decisions are made?
0: What I want to be a part of the task force. Or did they ask? Did they
2: ask you? You know, when they first formed it, were you were you approached to
0: possibly? Uh, no, no, they didn't approach me. No, no, um, I don't know why. Um, uh, I, well, I know why. I mean, they, uh, Davis had the people he wanted to. To be a part of the team, and that's fun. But I got one question for you.
2: Uh huh.
0: Tiger Woods is going to be up there, and I think it's fantastic he's going to be up there and a part of this. But I got a question okay. Will he be a distraction? Will he be a distraction? Yeah. It's a I great, don't know.
2: It's a great question, Curtis. I can tell you, sitting here as part of the media, he'll certainly be the most watched and, and scrutinized assistant captain in the history of the Ryder Cup. You know, every, everything yeah. he does, every every where he buzzes in his golf cart, and you know, on his walkie-talkie, uh, anything he. I don't. I don't know if assistant captains will give press conferences next week, but if he if he does, it'll be fascinating to see what he says, and it, it's it's certainly something will will. Yeah, I would think not, but it's definitely something that, you know, it's a new storyline. It's a new it's a new potential. Uh, you know, wrinkle in this whole thing is the tiger factor that wouldn't be there otherwise. Because there's, there's no other, you know, such a, a dominating personality and figure in the game to, to stick him in the team room with all, in this event. I don't know. He, I could certainly see a scenario where he does become a distraction. I can also see a scenario where maybe he harnesses his knowledge and, ins- you know, really buys in and inspires but I don't I – I can see he it either
0: way. Wait, 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 stop, Stop right there. He doesn't have any more knowledge. His record sucks in the Ryder Cup. He doesn't have any more knowledge to play the game more than anybody else. He was just damn better. Yeah. That's what people don't get. I mean, Jack Nicklaus was a very even keel, mentally stable person. He just played better than everybody else. And, and now we think that these two or three or four players, whoever they might be, think about the game differently. No, they don't think about the game any differently. They're just better than you. So mm-hmm. I don't get that. Now, I I think Tiger being there could be fantastic, but I yeah. hope he doesn't give a press conference. I want to know when Phil Mickelson asked Tiger Woods to go get him a Diet Coke, does he go get him a Diet Coke? <laughs> <laughs> I would like so to be there for that anyway, one, too. Yeah, yeah I want to be there for that one. But, uh, you know, I just I, – I, I wonder when, when Davis – and this is all thinking out loud, and this is not being – you know, a derogatory, disrespectful to Davis or any other guys, but when when Davis has these four or five running, uh, uh assistant captains, a couple of them are, or one of them's a former captain. You know who's running the show here? Do you know who I think is going to run some of the show rightfully so is Phil Mickelson. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I think th- Phil. I think this is actually Phil's team, and Davis is the captain. Now that's that's a people will take that as the wrong way about Davis. And I don't mean it the wrong. Davis is a dear friend and a wonderful man and player, but you know, I got to tell you, Phil says he wants to play or sit. He's going to play or sit. So, uh, especially after what happened in the press room Sunday night, two years ago. Right. I've got
2: one more tiger thought to, to throw at you. So when you were a player in this, in the, in the eighties, if Jack Nicholas was around the team or say, he say, he was a vice captain He was, you know, obviously he was a captain at one point, but he was in the same role as Tiger is now. If he came by the first tee and said, you know, Curtis, go get him today, or, or you know, you're playing in front of Jack. Now it's a little different with Tiger because Tiger and Phil, it's kind of peer to peer. But I wonder if Tiger could have a similar impact on like a Jordan Spieth or the younger guys who. You know, for t- Tiger was an inspiration and not necessarily a rival. Do you see what I mean? Do you see the parallel I'm trying to make? Is could, could Tiger be to the young guys what, say, a Jack Nicholas presence might have been for you in the 80s? Or would that have made you play any differently, or would you have felt inspired to hear from Jack uh,
0: when you were on these teams in the 80s? I was, I played on uh, two Jack Nicholas teams, and right. I was, uh... I always remember that. He was he was so good and so gracious. Didn't say a lot because he's from old school. He thought, if you need to be ma- motivated at the Ryder Cup, you're in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. Jack Nicklaus is intimidated. Jack Nicklaus is an intimidating figure as I have ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because of the respect I have for the man. Maybe that's because of the, the respect I hate for his game. Or any, he He just was always like that to me. I hope Tiger Woods isn't like that to some of the other guys on our team. I don't think he's quite like that, um, uh, but, you know, could be. Certainly could inspire you, but if he's standing right there, does he intimidate you when you're trying to hit this shot? Yeah. So um, all these different little storylines could could play out, uh, and I'm not being negative. I think they got a hell of a team. And, but I just, all these little storylines, and we're talking about them, Jeff, is because it is different this time. Yeah. They do have a task force. They have four or five assistant captains, one of which is Tiger Woods. They have these gurus of statistical information that I didn't know about. So there's a lot of things going on that haven't
2: happened before. hmm. It just feels to me like the pressure ratchets up when you do this, too. Like, like you were saying, the idea of just when you, it, it is, Possible to overanalyze and I and I I wonder you know if, if this doesn't work if the u.s. Doesn't Take the cup back this time. I don't, I don't know where you go. I guess we don't have to go down that well, road. well You yet, don't go anywhere else. Yeah, this yeah, you
0: don't go anywhere else. Yeah, you know you you know You got to think of something else too They're coming off a long long stretch of golf and the rotter cup is a wonderful event But these guys will be tired too. They're mm-hmm. coming off a few of them the olympics uh, a few of them in the pressure of not going to the Olympics. They're coming off a major championship. They're coming off a FedEx Cup playoff and, and going right into the Rada Cup. These guys, most of them are going to be, you know, they're going to be beat up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And some naysayer they say or would say, ah, oh, God, suck it up for a week. And you will say suck it up for a week, but it's a long, hard week. Yeah. And I really think that uh, scheduling-wise, it's not the smartest move in the world where it sits on the schedule but you can't get around that. Um, but uh, there's there's a lot of things in play here, and I certainly, like I said, I'm going to be there. I'll be rooting like hell for them. But um, I just hope it, I hope it turns out. Now, if it turns out, do we continue to do all of this stuff because they won? I, I guess we do. You know, they didn't continue Azinger's pod system, and they won. Um, uh, and that's another story altogether. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I suspect they will continue if they do win. Europe has six rookies on the team.
2: Could that be an advantage or disadvantage? I'm curious, when you were a rookie, were the nerves and was the whole experience different compared to as, as you came back for, you know, the four ensuing teams?
0: I didn't realize it could possibly have six rookies. Yeah. I, I got to tell you that that doesn't bother me because you want people there who really, really want to be there. And rookies want to be there. I was so full of piss and vinegar at Jack Nicholas's eighty-three Ryder Cup. I couldn't wait to get on the golf course, and and I did okay. Uh, I I in in my day, it was you didn't want to put two rookies out on the golf course together. Mm-hmm. You didn't want a whole lot of rookies on your team. It depends on who the individual is. It depends on their personality. Rookies don't bother me because they are fired up and ready to go. Uh, but it depends on who it is and their type of personality. But honestly, um, I don't think it makes much difference at all. Yeah, the nerves
2: were the nerves for you. I mean, was it was it any different for you playing as a rookie than it was going back second,
0: third, fourth Ryder Cup? You know, I think you're I think you're nervous every time. I was. You know, I never got to a point where I didn't want to hit it off the first tee. Hey, I can tee it up and hit it. What can, What's the worst going to hit it that you drive it in the rough? <laughs> So uh, I didn't, you know, you're nervous every time you're on the first year of the Rada Cup. So uh, you got to get over that in a hurry. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, I know you're, I know you're locked in on the highway right now heading down the road. We appreciate the time, but before I let you go, I got to get your pick.
0: Well, I actually think it's, it's the U S of a, uh, you know, they're going through a, a, a quite a large transition as well. Uh, uh, if their top two or three players play really well, there's certainly be a It'll be a close match, but uh, I think we we have top strength. We have we've always had depth, uh, and that's another reason I'd like to play ten players mm-hmm. uh, to show the depth of a team, or uh, the strength of a team throughout. But uh, I, I think we do well this year. We're playing in Minneapolis. It's a golf-starved community. They'll come out, gosh They'll come out very strong for their own team. And you know, the advice I would give the players would be. You know, just just play your game. Calm down. You're going to be nervous. Take a deep breath. Calm down. Try to make this like a normal event, which is impossible to do. But, guys, you have a chance to do something that hadn't been done uh, in the last two or three, four Ryder Cups is win. Let's change this. Let's be the first of many. And uh, let's come together. Let's play our hearts out. And uh, let's be the team here that will turn this around, okay? Let's be that special team. And that's what I will tell them. You know, all week leading up to the
2: matches. Yeah, it's hard to believe the US has only won one Ryder Cup this century. We'll leave it there with Curtis Strange, some fascinating insights and uh some passion. Some fire yeah. Yeah. from the former captain and and rider cupper. Uh Sean, the Ryder Cup is upon us. The teams are in Minnesota. Which players do you think? If if it has to come down to somebody, last Ryder Cup, it was clear it's Justin Rose was the man of the match, it was unbeaten. Who do you think might be the key guys this time?
1: One guy from the European squad that uh, has been flying under the radar the entire year on the PGA Tour, the European Tour, is uh, Rafa Cabrera-Bello. I started looking at Yes, I started looking at his stats maybe a month ago, and he's not a PGA Tour member yet, so he doesn't have status, and they don't really keep track of his stats that well. He doesn't have that many stats on the PGA Tour, but of the stats he does have, they match up just about as, it would be like third or fourth in line as far as like right around Mickelson, Spieth, Reed, as far as the, the U.S. team goes. So he's had a really, really good year. He's played some incredible golf, the best golf of his life. He also finished, uh, what, he beat Rory McIlroy in a match at the WGC match play to take third down mm-hmm. at Austin. That's
2: right, I forgot about that People one. People
1: forget about that. Now That doesn't mean that he's going to play well in the Ryder Cup, but I know it, it shows you that the guy's got some match play stones. And he played very well. That's a guy that, as far as Europeans go, we're not really paying attention to, and we might have to.
2: Yeah, any, I, I still look at any of those six rookies. They're all wild cards. I don't think in the U.S., we have no idea what we're going to get really from any of them. Will they continue the European tradition of making every putt that matters and just coming up clutch when they need it most? That seems to be what's happened yeah. uh, for this, you know, this entire run that Europe's been on. Or is the U.S. catching Europe in a little bit of a transition phase? I don't think we know that yet. We will know on Sunday. But I think those, six those rookies. six guys, that's a big number.
1: That's what I'm saying. I think six rookies is such a significant amount. That's half your team. You know, you've got Lee Westwood, Martin Keimer, Sergio, Rory, Stenson, Rose. I mean, that is like the core of the most victorious decade for the Europeans, really. So you've got that, but you've got a bunch of guys who watched it all on TV. So we'll see. And they're also on foreign soil. They're, they're here in the United States. In the Midwest, where we both came yeah. from, there's a lot of yeah. pride there in Minnesota as far as golf goes. The, this is the tail end of the golf season. This is, it's all been culminating into this one year-end season match. It'll be great. Uh, as far as your uh, Americans go. I,
2: I think DJ is just riding this wave of momentum. Uh, he's played well all summer. He hasn't slowed down late in the summer. I, you got to find the right pairing for him. I'm, we're not exactly sure as we sit here now who it's going to be. I think he ha- he has serious potential to be man of the match. You know, I hundred percent agree. It, I think he's the most intimidating guy uh, in terms of just the golf game. You don't want to. That's just the guy I would want to see the least on the first tee. You know, in a, in a match. Uh, but beyond that. You know, I might look at a guy like a J.B. Holmes who doesn't have uh, any bad Ryder Cup mojo. You know, he's the only team he played on, won. Um, I would look for him. I, this is going to be a long golf course this week. We know the U.S. Tried to, is going to try to set this up to favor bombers, the bomb and gouge type of player. J.B. Holmes is a driver wedge kind of player. Yeah. If he can make some putts, I think he has potential to to have a huge week. Yeah. Um, and the one guy I wonder about is Mickelson. I, you I'm know, right he's, with you there. He's I think he's kind of an X factor because we know he's he has risen to the occasion before, and we know from the British Open, he still has something left in the tank. But there's going to be a lot of emotion out there. He, I think he probably knows there's a this, good chance this is it for him as a player. Uh, the crowd is going to be, you know, obviously, they'll be supportive of the U.S., but it'll be a different level behind Phil. And I don't know if it could it could almost be too much. You know, it could overwhelm even a veteran like yeah. Phil uh if there's just too much going on that that he's not whether he's able to play his best or not. I think I think he's a big X mm-hmm. factor for the US team.
1: Yeah, the pairings are something I've been thinking about lately. You know me, you sit near me in the office, you see me just like looking at these crunching ex- the numbers. Crunching the numbers, looking at these charts and Excel documents and and honestly, we're doing it way too much. But <laughs> but um Dustin Johnson needs to play every single match unless he says Davis Love sit me down for a break. That's just that's just how good he's been this year. That's how Rory was in 2014. He had to play every match. You have you have you have ascended your abilities the entire year above so many other people, including the European team. That we need you on the course at all times. And honestly, if I was if I was uh, sending DJ out, I would put him out there first every session.
2: Yeah. I, Get some I, I like points that. on the
1: board. You know. If, if, if a couple other guys win their, their respective matches and then all of a sudden, first part of the next session, Dustin Johnson wins with some teammate, five and four, it's just like that's the guy that, that stops any European momentum from happening. Or at least we would, it would seemingly be so.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I like the idea of starting fast and, and going with your strongest team out the top. I think that a lot has been – there's a lot of uh, information we have out there now about the concept of momentum. In this tournament and we've seen it. Uh, last time was in the U.S. Uh, Ian Poulter's famous match, made, you know, going on that tear at the end on Saturday afternoon, giving the, U- the Europeans a surprise point. They pick it right up the next morning and just steamroll the U.S. in singles. I think starting out fast is, is big for either side. Just getting early momentum right away Friday morning uh, start with a strong team, and I'm with you. I'd put DJ on the first tee if he's if he's up for it. If he tells Love, hey, I'll I'll play anywhere. I'd put him out first.
1: Yeah. One thing I'm actually a little bit skeptical of now is as far as pairings go. What do you do with Zach Johnson? Zach Johnson is a, a former Ryder Cupper. He's been on multiple teams. He's a, a, a steady golfer, not a long guy off the tee, obviously. And a very, very good golf. He's been basically a top 12 golfer his entire career. Yeah. This year he's been as, actually, his probably his worst year of golf since like 2008, 2009. And that says a lot because in the Ryder Cup, you're paired with certain people for certain reasons. I think Zach Johnson is going to be the most difficult person for uh, Davis Love to consider.
2: Yeah, I could see maybe maybe somebody like a Brooks Kepka. put him with your put the veteran with the one rookie, put a great putter with a great driver. But I don't know. Zach Johnson is one of those guys. He he kind of got on this team. He really lived off that British Open win last he year. He really did. Uh, I like Zach Johnson a lot as a as a player as a grinder. But he's probably uh, one of the guys that I wouldn't be afraid to sit down. I'd, I'd put him out on Friday and see what you get. But I think he would be on the list of guys that if he doesn't have it. Um, I could see him maybe sitting out Saturday if it doesn't go well. Yeah. For him on Friday. yeah, he's
1: definitely one of those guys, probably on a short list that you could pencil in right now. Maybe only gets two matches, maybe. in the Ryder Cup. It will be fun. I think Spieth and Reed have to be on they have to be paired. yeah, together. you would think, you, you know, yeah. Tom Watson kept them together, but he did sit them down for a session. And they were rolling through the Europeans. I, I know that uh, the law of of averages will say, hey, you guys are probably going to cool off soon because you're playing against. Some of the best players in the world on the European team, but who knows? Reed's a fiery guy. Spieth can get real fiery out there. The, the pair of them together have been stones in the Ryder Cup. Just been great. You can't break them up now. Until they lose, they stay together.
2: Probably not, unless you know this team has gotten together. They've had practice sessions. They've bonded. Unless you know they've gone to, to Davis Love and formed a new new groups. It's possible, but I would say from what we've seen on the outside. Spieth Reed is one of those teams you just lock in, yeah. and you know take your chances.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, one last question before we kind of wrap this th- this preview of sorts up: Who who does Phil get paired with? Because Keegan Bradley's not here anymore. Uh, no, he was Keegan on,
2: Bradley's not walking through that door. They were
1: on a couple teams. Uh, they were on a couple teams together. Um, Phil and Keegan played so great at Medina. Maybe not so great um, at Glen Eagles, or, or not quite as great. I'm just kind of curious, because Phil is not he's not really demonstrated being great off the tee. We've talked about this in the office. I think we both agree. I love Ricky Fowler playing with Phil Mickelson.
2: I could see it. That makes a lot of sense to me. We know they play a lot on Tuesday, you know, practice rounds, their their money matches before tournaments. But I think, especially after talking to Curtis Strange, um, I, I think I have the answer who you pair Phil with. Uh oh. You pair Phil with whoever Phil wants. Yeah. That's it. I, Curtis said it. I, I completely agree with it that Mickelson's fingerprints are all over this team to the point where he may even be like the de facto captain. You know, he's certainly the lo- the captain in the locker room anyway, mm-hmm. a player's captain. So uh, Phil's going to get whoever he wants. I, I could see it being Fowler at the same time. Uh, Phil and Keegan Bradley didn't make a ton of sense at first, yeah. but somehow there's something about the energy the two of them had uh, I wonder, you know, just being a veteran, if it's a younger guy, that just could help inspire and, and really get Phil fired up again. I like the way that worked for him, but the, I think the truth is, whatever whatever works for Phil, Phil's going to get.
1: Yeah, I like that, uh, not only what you said, but that Curtis um, Strange pointed that out, that regardless of who the captain is, that doesn't really mean that's the leader. When right. I, had, I had Richard Gillis, the author of The Captain Myth, on a couple of weeks ago, he talked about how much attribution uh, should be given for success and failure in the Ryder Cup to the captain. And he he actually pointed to kind of what Curtis Strange said. Sevy was the leader of the European team. Tony Jacklin was the captain. Yeah. There's a difference there. Captain, the captain uh, of, of an infantry, the captain of a ship is always thought of as a leader. But in the Ryder Cup, it doesn't need to be that way. This yeah. is not you're not, you're you're captaining in, as far as moving the chess pieces around. A leader is actually more so. I would imagine someone who's winning points for your team.
2: Yeah, well, you see it in any team sport. Yeah, I mean, you who's know, your
1: captain? LeBron is a a guy captain that's on of, the the of the
2: Cavs, uh, and Tyron Lewis, the coach. I mean, I think it's I think it's similar setup for the Ryder Cup. Although you wonder if Phil <laughs> has an influence. You know, it, it it spills over into the captain's role. A little How much bit is too much? Yeah, when he's possibly, you know, making making pairings. We don't know. We don't know if Phil is what level of. If I we guess, report uh, well is, enough this is, week, is he maybe the chess know. master behind all of this? I I don't know. It's certainly it's another story to watch this week among many stories to watch this week. Yeah, Phil's influence.
1: I'm excited. The weather should be fine uh, here in Minnesota. The the Midwest winter has not moved in, or even the Midwest fall has not moved in yet. You and I growing up in the area, or in the Midwest, know what that can be like. It's still very, very summer-like here. Overnight, a little bit cooler, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We can leave it at that. We'll get uh, Jim
2: Cantore on the next podcast.
1: <laughs> exactly. We are both here on site. Uh, if you have any questions, tweet at either Jeff or myself. That's Jeff underscore Ritter, J-E-F-F underscore R-I-T-T-E-R and sean underscore zack s-e-a-n underscore z-a-k anything you need to know ask us give us some podcasting advice requests we'll be here in minnesota until next time i'm your host sean zack